On this episode, we discuss Cobra! Live from Vancouver, Canada! Flophouse, I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. And I'm Elliot Kalen. And we are. Alex is milking applause out of I added a lot his more, name. I added a lot more ends to my name. <laughs> Stolen Valor. Junior. <laughs> Stolen Valor, yeah. I've been going around pickpocketing Just ends from other people's names. Your name. Mm, Christopher Ola, the director of Oppenheimer. <laughs> Two ends more in my sack. <laughs> uh, we're here in Vancouver, Canada at the Rio Theater. Look, it's, look, it's baseball pitching superstar Ola Raya. <laughs> Three more ends for Elliot. <laughs> <sighs> I wish I could say I'm not trying to think of a name with a lot of ends in it. That's how I get you. Um, yeah, this is a podcast where you yep. uh, watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. Now, um, for this uh, live episode, we decided to watch Cobra, a canon classic starring one Mr. Sly Stallone now, when he and, says written canon, by, and written by. Uh, yeah. Sly, yeah, when he says canon, just for anyone who's not a, not a bad movie buff, he means canon films, not canon like it's in the Bible. <laughs> There's <laughs> I'm not no saying book this of is a Cobra. canonical... Work. Yeah, it's, it's listed on the syllabus. We have to read it. Yeah. yeah. It's a classic text of Western civilization. So we're going to... We watched Cobra. This is a movie... I'm not going to lie to you. I've seen this movie before. Guys, have you seen this movie before? <laughs> I, I have seen it. I've actually been meaning to rewatch Cobra. For, for once in my life, the podcast has been a good excuse to like see a movie I yeah. wanted to see. I was like, yeah. hey, Dan, have you seen The Holdovers yet? He's like, nah, I'm waiting to watch Cobra first. <laughs> Ooh, the Holdovers doesn't make sense if you haven't seen Cobra yet. It's true, actually. My wife really wants to see The Holdovers. I'm being good and okay. waiting. To... You are good. <laughs> You're being You're, very good. You know what? You're great. Ugh. I'll take it. Thank you. He was waiting for me to say back to him that no, he was great, right? but I didn't you know, do it. I'll take any level. <laughs> I'm on board. Okay, everybody, so let's talk Cobra. I'm going to go through the plot of Cobra. These guys are going to chime in and interrupt me, or try to. <laughs> Uh, anyway, we start. <laughs> Cobra starts the we'll way. Your, we'll let you run. <laughs> Cobra starts the same way every movie should start with a voiceover of Sylvester Stallone telling you suspect crime statistics. <laughs> he goes, In America, there's a burglary every 11 seconds. <laughs> somebody steals a baby every 15 seconds. You know, we every 34 <laughs> minutes, somebody says they're gonna they're gonna pay for a piece of baked goods in a store, you know? and they just run away. We should have. <laughs> It's only now occurring to me that we should have called up our old uh, Daily Show fact checker friend Adam Chodikoff and be like, "Hey, Adam, can you fact check these Cobra <laughs> statistics?" Just, for us? To see what the crime statistics were for 1986. <laughs> well, Dan, I'll have you know that I did the fact checking myself. That's right, everybody. It's me, Sylvester Stallone. Made it out. I didn't know whether he was gonna come, but when I saw that you were gonna talk about my movie like, Cobra, which I be two hours of that. <laughs> it's a movie I starred in and wrote. Mm -hmm. And probably directed too under an assumed name, maybe. Yeah. 
And maybe I played all the other parts as well. <laughs> a real tour Even de Brigitte force. Nielsen's role. Yes, we met on set, and I said, let's get married, but first I will do your part. <laughs> <laughs> allow me to, to, allow me to assume your physical form. I got to live out every man's dream of kissing himself on camera. <laughs> Uh, but I, I, I checked all those statistics. I went around to the newspaper offices in town, and I said, give me your crime statistics. <laughs> and ah, I had a, they said, a large oh. man is yelling at us. <laughs> now, I was already famous, Daniel. <laughs> they, they knew it was me, Sylvester Stallone. I'm sorry, I presumed you went out in incognito as a I, famous man. Impossible. <laughs> I'm just that famous. <laughs> That's once, true. Once I went, you know, COVID, everyone was wearing masks, and I, even though I wore a mask, everyone was like, are you Sly Stallone? And I'd be like, no, I'm just a masked regular person who's going yeah. about their <laughs> You're right. I cannot imagine encountering Sylvester Stallone and not knowing it was Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, exactly. Imagine me when I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, oh, it's Sylvester Stallone. What are you doing in my house? You get the fuck out of here. And I pull a gun. I say, how'd you get out of here? And my family is like, Sly, Sly, because they call me that too. Yeah. yeah they go, Sly, it's you. It's a mirror. And I'm like, oh, thank goodness. I thought I was, I thought I was in the movie Judge Dredd again where I was dealing with my clone. <laughs> Well, I'm <laughs> glad I took us down that road. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, maybe I'll be back later. I don't know. I, uh, I noticed there was uh, some Tostitos in the back. Uh, yeah. Restaurant style. I'll go have that. Okay, Sylvester Sloan's leaving. It's me again now. <laughs> In the old days, I'd do a bit where I was like, oh, I, I just came back. Where's Sly Stallone? I don't need to do that anymore. I mean, he's, he's, I'm, I'm more Stallone than Elliot now. So uh, he has these statistics as we are looking at the handle of a gun with a cobra image on it. And then the gun turns and points at us, the audience. <laughs> and does it fire? I can't remember. And what I assume would be an homage to the it movie, to the movie uh, Spellbound. <laughs> okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're, we're kind of given a vision of hell. There's occasional shots of, like, people riding motorcycles over yes. a red, fiery backdrop. It's the, it's the blood-red skies of Southern California. And there's a mysterious person on a motorcycle. He looks super cool in silhouette. You'd be forgiven for thinking this is our titular hero, Cobra, the snake man. But no, because intercut with this man riding a bike under these blood-red skies are scenes of the meeting of an axe-killer cult, which is mainly a bunch of guys who meet in the sewer, and they each hold one axe in each hand and clang them together. Clang them together, yeah. That's the extent of the, of the service, the ceremony. I mean, that sounds like a nice club. You get to a certain age, you just want to meet new people. Yeah. It's hard Go to make friends after axes. a certain, yeah, after a certain up, point when you're like, you leave friends. school, like, maybe your kids are all grown up. It's hard to meet people. And so you it's need nice a common like, interest, like yeah, clanging yeah, yeah, axes. Like axe clanging, Investing yeah. in axes aren't that expensive. You didn't buy axes. I could buy axes, sure. You, yeah, don't, I think you What could. are you trying to say about me? No, I'm, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Dan, I hate to break it to you this way, and for all these people, you couldn't buy an axe. Yeah, no. and you do, I mean, I think the thing is you just don't have, like, axe cult vibes, yes, right? Yes, yes. Although you are wearing, wearing a... Uh, yeah, I'm wearing a plaid flannel, you know. I mean, it feels like I mean, you're you patronizing vibes, <laughs> but it, For that, you're going to use one of those double cross-cut saws, right? That's true. I need a partner. Yeah. That's another There's a lot reason to think people, about. No, but it's another reason people become lumberjacks to meet other people. It's a, it's a two I need another <laughs> wanted second man for saw. <laughs> Must like flapjacks. L for L. <laughs> oh, it's lumberjack for lumberjack. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Misconnection. I was cutting down a tree. You were cutting down another tree. Well, chemistry question mark. <laughs> Thought would be easier to cut down tree together. Yeah. Answers to name P Bunyan. <laughs> So uh, this, so we were watching the axe clanging cult, and this was the moment when, in real life, IRL, Dan was so excited he knocked over the cup of tea he had made for himself and spilled it all over the desk in my hotel room. <laughs> yeah, and he kept like 
muttering like, oh, word, oh, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, but more like Piglet, <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear, oh, oh. We all know I'd be an Eeyore. Yeah, that's true. You would be an Eeyore, that's true. Would be. Are. <laughs> anyway, so uh, this biker, it's not Sly Sloan. He goes to a supermarket. Understandable, that's where the food is. <laughs> but he's not interested in food. Instead, he parks his motorcycle in a handicapped spot. So you know this guy is a bad dude. Yeah, bad yeah. guy. Uh, and he goes to the grocery store, and he's just knocking people aside. And then he p- takes out his pump-action shotgun, the official weapon of 1980s low-budget action movies, and just starts blasting all the produce. <laughs> yeah, because this, uh, this, is, this is before Last Boy Scout, where we reach yes. peak Uzi culture. Yes, right? Uzi's is what, pre-Uzi. The late 80s, early 90s was Uzi times. And, but this is the kind of early to mid 80s where it was all about pump action shotguns. What's the weapon du jour of action movies now? Like, uh, I saw that Oppenheimer, like atomic bombs? I think so, yeah. Uh, Second Oppenheimer joke of the episode. Really gonna date <laughs> this episode in the future. Like, like those swords with like a cool handle that has other like spikes on them. Uh, and what movies is that in? I like science fiction stuff. Sorry. <laughs> I'm thinking about how we're still in the supermarket. But I do want... You make a good point, Elliot. Yeah, this we're man... lost in the supermarket. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, <laughs> Those were the Clash family. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I was like, the, 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 the game that this movie is playing, like, if you thought that Dirty Harry wasn't fascist enough, this is the movie for you. So, because... yes, this movie is... It, it's saying, we need cops that will break every rule and every bone in a perpetrator's body. And what kind of world justifies that kind? Yeah. A world of nonstop <laughs> random violence. Cackling, <laughs> maniacal, criminal, violent people with no particular motivation for anything they're doing. <laughs> and they to, and if, as we'll learn later, they have a very good, if vague, and seemingly tacked-on motivation. I mean, if to like, put a bow on it, they even cast the serial killer from Dirty Harry to play a cop in this world. That's how bad what? this world is. Scorpio from Dirty Harry is one of the cops he's, in this he's one. He's the voice of reason. He's the one like, <laughs> and, he's, and he's the weak due cop. Process? Who's always like, Cobra, you really shouldn't have ripped that guy's throat out before before we knew if he had parked in that handicap spot. <laughs> like, that's how bad this world is. Scorpio is the is the nice guy. So anyway, uh, he's blasting stuff up. The weenie negotiator, Monty, played again by the by uh, by the Scorpio, whose name I can't remember. What's his real name? Uh, thank you. It's the it's the husband from Hellraiser. The yeah, one but that's not his name. He's un- <laughs> I think he's, it is his, at this his point. driver's license says Hellraiser, comma the husband from. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you if you polled everyone in the world, the percentage of people who mostly knew him as a uh, husband from Hellraiser over his real name would probably be fair point. Higher. Fair point. And, that, and as we know, that's how you choose someone's name. This yeah. <laughs> is my popular vote. Yeah, everyone's name gets voted <laughs> in the United States. I don't know how they do things here. In the United States, everyone votes on everybody's name all the time. Yeah, uh, I feel like even Julia in Hellraiser would be like, yeah, he's just the husband. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so, uh, this, so he's like a weenie negotiator. He represents all that Cobra says is wrong. He's shouting through a megaphone, just come out and talk to us. We want to help you. We promise we won't hurt you. And he's shooting people in the back with his shotgun. That's when the, other, the, uh, the, what, the cop that's above him goes, call the Cobra. The Cobra gets called. He drives up in his old car. Called a Dragula. <laughs> yeah. And he, his car has the license Awesome 50. <laughs> awesome spelled A-W-S-U-M, I think it was. Um, and, uh, and Glasses Cop does not like that. He's like, mm, I, don't, I don't approve of his actions. <laughs> Guys, can you do, when Cobra steps out, uh, Cobretti, the cop, what, describe kind of his general look, his allure, kind of like, what's, what's his image? Well, later he's described as like some sort of, they was like, oh, reject from the 50s or something like that. Or, uh-huh, yeah. And he did, there's nothing particularly 50s about it. He just has no. 
kind of like jeans and a and a black shirt. Jeans, but he's like biker boots, trench coat, sunglasses, he, always. He's always matchstick, always, always in his mouth stick. until yeah. he burns a guy alive later with it. Yeah, with his one matchstick. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was good. Now I gotta get a new one. <laughs> I don't know how you do was that. My best friend. <laughs> uh, and of I course, pre- I appreciate he, your sacrifice. And he carries his signature weapon, a pistol with a cobra on it, stuffed into his belt instead of in a holster or something. Yeah, and he also has throwing knives. I don't know where he keeps those. But uh, Cobra gets, he goes into this grocery store. He's, he's stalking through the baddie. He's trying to shoot him. And then he's ranting about how this, the people in here are trash. They deserve to die. This is a new world coming. And Cobra gets on the store PA and he goes, uh, he goes it's time to waste you. And, and uh, they have a standoff the two of them at gunpoint. They're both holding guns. And the baddie is like, I've got a bomb. I'm a hero of the new world. And, uh, the, uh, <laughs> and uh, he goes, I'll blow up the whole store. And so this goes, Stallone has a number of very good quips in this movie. He goes, that's okay, I don't shop here. <laughs> and here's when he says the key line of the movie. He goes, you're a disease and I'm the cure. And he throws the throwing knife at him and then shoots him to death. So we're presenting a world where it's so dangerous it, uh, mm-hmm. that you need a guy like Cobra. You want a guy like Cobra. You love a guy yeah. like Cobra. Yeah, a man who is essentially uh, a later Stallone character, Judge Dredd, in that he will uh, you know, provide the sentence and carry it out yes. himself. But he doesn't wear a helmet. Yeah. That's the main difference. Uh, not even when he rides like a motorcycle later on, which is a bad message for kids. So if any kids <laughs> yeah. out there are watching Cobra... That's the message in Cobra that we got to protect the kids. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And Stallone, uh, he gets him, and these reporters crowd him. When he walks out, they're like, Cobretti, Cobretti, is this related to the Night Slasher? We're going to hear a lot about the Night Slasher in this movie. And he goes, and this reporter goes, did you use unnecessary force? What makes you judge and jury? And luckily, the dead body of one of the victims is lying right there with a blanket over him. And he goes, he gets mad and pushes a reporter at the body. He goes, you tell his family. Anyway, and that's, it's a terrible argument because... (laughs) Checkmate. <laughs> but we see Cobretti, he doesn't, he doesn't uh, keep bullying people with his greater physical force just on the job. He does that at home, too. He goes home. The parking spot he wants to get into is too small, and the car in front refuses to move. So he gets into his car and pushes their car ahead with his. Luckily, their car was in neutral, I guess, the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Elliot, I'll be honest. When you say <laughs> bullying people at home, I completely forgot about this, and I thought you were going to talk about that he bullied that piece of pizza. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. And or, then, sorry, slice of pizza. Charlene, I the, apologize. And when the people... <laughs> yeah, piece of pizza? <laughs> The, uh, when, uh, and the other people are like, hey, what are you doing? And they are very much stereotypical kind of Chicano, you know, uh, L.A. types that you would see in 80s movies. He gets mad and he takes, he grabs the undershirt collar of one of them and just rips it off of him. Which and the guy like, is like surprisingly chill about. Yes. They, at that point, he's like... He's like, oh, I was going to rip it anyway. It's yeah. cooler this way. Uh, you know, I, was, I needed to get I was a new undershirt. Shirt, yeah. Yeah. You know what? I know when I've been bested. <laughs> by a man tearing my shirt up. I don't like the violent hostility, but you could have punched me, you could have kicked me. Instead, you used your imagination. <laughs> you ripped off the undershirt I was wearing under my other shirt. And God damn that, it, I respect it. I yeah. commend your, your, your freedom and creativity. Uh, so, uh, Cobra goes home, he, and then... One moment after another is just so amazing. He picks up a newspaper. Sorry, I'm just imagining that's the name of the sequel novel. <laughs> Cobra goes Cobra home. Cobra goes home. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's my high school reunion. I gotta go back to it, I guess. Uh, life Art? has really changed for me in the years <laughs> in between. Uh, I'm not by, what I uh, thought it was gonna be, I'll tell you that. <laughs> written by Ari Salvatore. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Co- uh, Cobra, he picks up his newspaper, immediately throws it in his barbecue grill. <laughs> 
goes into his house, because he doesn't care about the media. He goes, into the, he goes into his house, opens the freezer, takes out a pizza box and an egg carton. He takes out a pair of scissors, cuts a little tiny triangle of pizza off the slice and eats that. And then and the egg carton is just full of his gun maintenance like collection. It's already, so. it's already a triangle. Yeah. <laughs> and it's got a crust to hold onto. Why is he making it harder? He's making a very important point about fractals. <laughs> because what it is not made clear in the movie, but if you read the novel by Alan Dean Foster, it's all in there, yeah. that Cobretti has a PhD in mathematics. I was trying to solve these Poincaré equations, but instead I, I got called up to service to fight crime. <laughs> yep. It's, if you cut a triangle, it's just another triangle, you know? Triangles all the way. Yeah. Is that what, you, what the lesson you want us to give, walk away <laughs> That's with? That's the or? lesson of Cobra. That's what I took away from Cobra. So I took away from it, you got to wear a helmet when you ride a motorcycle. And you took triangles all over? What was it? <laughs> it it's yeah. a triangle, 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 that triangle world? Yeah. Hey, baby, triangles all over. <laughs> You ever tried angles? <laughs> so anyway, uh, the news on TV, while he's cleaning his gun with his frozen gun maintenance kit, maybe that's how you do it. I don't have a gun. I don't know. Does it have to be super cold to clean a gun with? I don't know. Uh, the news is talking about there's another victim of the Night Slasher, a serial killer, identity unknown, and they're... There's no theme to the victims. Everyone is a possible victim of the Night Slasher, and he seems to use household simple There's weapons There's so many tools. notes in that notebook. <laughs> yeah. yeah, get ready. Anyway, we see another, then we cut to, there's a waitress going home at night. She's attacked by masked guys with axes. They kill her. It's, the, it's this axe cult. Uh, the cops are talking, and Cobra's like, I think there's more than one killer at work. He has nothing to base this on, but Cobra's just that good a cop. He just knows. And Glass's cop is like, you shouldn't be involved. Uh, and Cobra's <laughs> like, we're going to lose as long as they play by the rules and we don't. No, no, no. As long as we play by the rules and they don't. I don't remember I when I see, wrote the movie. I want to see this one man, Elliot Kalin. Uh, one man, one night only, Cobra. <laughs> Elliot Kalin is Sylvester Stallone as Cobra. Yeah. And everyone else. <laughs> and everyone else. Francis, and everyone else in Cobra tonight. <laughs> you know, uh, we, you won't let me go after those people. You shouldn't go after those people, Cobra, but I gotta go after those people. Sorry, Cobra, you can't go after those people. That's the, that scene goes on he for a while. He did it, raves the times. <laughs> <laughs> but, but why? Questions the times after. And he has like a he has like a sidekick who wears a little cap, right? Who likes junk food. Yes, yes. Yeah. He has his sidekick whose name who's uh, Sergeant. Gonzalez. I like that you're like, is it his trainer? Because he like he does. <laughs> yeah, it's like a Burgess Meredith style like. Well, he's manner wearing a, he's dress. wearing a little old fashioned cabbie cap, and he's and he doesn't dress. <laughs> he's not in uniform or anything, and he doesn't uh, do anything except talk about junk food yeah. for most of the movie. Uh, and they have a little back. They always have back and forth banter. Cobra Cobra's always like, you know, you guys start eating right. You can't eat all this junk food, and he's like, oh, but I love junk food. It's all I want to eat. And again, this is a good message for the kids. Balanced diet, please. Don't be like with Sergeant Gonzalez. You gotta, you gotta eat good things. Anyway. And also, like, this is the this is the flavoring of the movie that I like the best. Yes. The, like, yeah. wacky crap that doesn't have anything to do with, like, I don't know, the politics of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, there's another victim of the Axe Maniacs, but they're not wearing their pantyhose masks this time. And Brigitte Nielsen is driving by to what appears to be a modeling shoot that was scheduled for 10.30 p.m. or 11 p.m., and she sees the face of the, of the guy who commits the murder, which, as we'll find out, is the leader of this axe cult. And uh, we find out after that, the woman who is part of this murder 
she's a cop too. Oh no, one of the cops is a bad guy. They're not all good cops. Just Cobretti. <laughs> to a lesser extent, Gonzalez. But even he has a fatal flaw of loving junk food, which, as you all know, traditionally, each hero has to have a heroic flaw. His is his love of junk food. Is that what they were trying to convey with the idea that he was cutting off just a little bit of pizza? Maybe, that he's watching his calories? I guess so. It reminds me of my favorite line that Stallone has in Tango and Cash yeah. when he has he jumps out from behind the refrigerator of a dirty cop who set him up and sent him to jail. A dirty cop is, I think, just holding a bowl of pasta that was just in the fridge or something like that. And he goes, well, it's obvious from your diet you're not watching your calories. <laughs> Seems you were, too, you, you were just watching the money they paid you to set us up. And it's, and it's such a stretch. It is not a Cobra-level quip, but I love it. it and he's really got to rush to get it out. watching that money. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, so we know there's someone on the inside, and she looks up the witness's license plate to find out who, who owns that car, an old-time computer. And, uh, and the police captain is like, we've got no leads, Cobra. Okay, you're on the job. You and your friend, the cab driver slash your trainer, mm-hmm. you're going to shake down the town and do what you do. And this leads to the most amazing montage, maybe since Sergei Eisenstein invented the technique. Yeah. And I know he didn't really, I guess what, Kuleshov did? I don't, I'm not a cinema studies major. Anyway, so they, it is, these are the three strains of this montage. Stallone and his partner walk in the streets, which are mainly covered in homeless people, and going into places and asking people questions. Bridgette Nelson doing the photo shoot in which she is wearing different outfits around different antique statues of robots. Oh, and, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. and a few shots of the bad guy just kind of looking mean and holding his knife and stuff like that. But the montage starts intercutting uh, Stallone and the robots. And you're like, so are there robots in this movie? Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and it, the robots like are lighting up in a way where you're like, well, they yeah. know what's going on. No, yeah. it, the montage ends with this ominous music and the lights shutting off except for the, like, the robots' eyes being on. And you're like, is this going to turn into a movie about how these robots kill people? <laughs> Do they know they're in the photo shoot? Yeah. <laughs> The f- and the photo shoot is being done by David Rash, TV Sledgehammer, also in <laughs> Succession, et cetera, et cetera. Burn yeah, After yeah. Reading. Burn After Reading. He's like a um, dad in some Ashton Kutcher movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he gets killed almost immediately, yes, which is a, a disappointment. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Hits on, he hits on Ingrid, the model, and then gets instantly killed by the Axe people as they uh, attack them. Oh, no, I forgot. This, uh, there's great... The, the music in this movie is great, and the montage is set to a song called Angel of the City. That's and great. it's amazing. Anyway, so uh, the photographer, he gets killed. A nerdy bystander who just seems to be walking out of a store gets killed, and then they step on his glasses after he's dead, which is adding insult to injury. Those glasses <laughs> belong to his family now. <laughs> yeah. Now he has nothing to leave them. Uh, this security guard, he, she, she runs off to him, and she's like, help me! And he starts firing his gun at the bad guys, and they ram a van into him. So, And it's like one of many very good practical stunts. Yeah. Yes. Like, it's very intense and, like, I don't know. It's, it's There's cool. a number of stunts here where you're like, whoa, that's a good stunt. I hope nobody got hurt doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. later on in the movie, people are just flying off on of motorcycles, wearing helmets, thankfully. I hate I hate to sound like an old man, but it's way too late <laughs> for that. Uh, no, I mean, like, this movie, like we were saying, it comes from a time where even the worst movies kind of looked beautiful because... They had to shoot them in real places. They had to light for films. So they had to actually think about the. I mean, like, not, yeah, yeah. not everything. Yeah, like the shoot like, out in the grocery store where they're like, yeah. why is there so much dry ice in here? <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember watching it. You, just, you were like, when, who turned off all the lights in the grocery <laughs> store? But, but uh, yeah, it looks fucking cool. It's a good, it is a, it's a good looking movie. It is a. And not just Stallone, who looks incredible. Yeah. And uh, the, the, the director's son. 
uh, went on to make Mandy and other movies. So. Uh-huh. Did you research that, or you just think yeah? No, I, I oh, researched okay. it. Yeah. So, do you imagine as a kid he was on the Cobra set walking around? He's got to have been on the Cobra oh, what set. What a lucky kid! If I could do anything to be that boy, if I could, <laughs> if I could just change places with him. Guys, find me a magic fountain that I can fountain that I can pee in with him, and then go back in time. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah, okay. I don't want to be. It has to be the pee scenario, though. It can't be Name like. Name me another way to switch bodies with somebody. A skull at the same time. Magic skulls. Uh, yeah, magic. Yeah, it's real. Making real, a wish. Yeah, magic skulls. That's a real thing, Dan. Um, Give me a magic fountain. Yeah, making a wish. You know, on a go down to like Coney Island and like get a. You know the Zoltar statue. <laughs> yeah, or, no, that's not what happened. That's not a switch. That movie, actually, that's just a big situation. But I bet he could do a swap. Okay, yeah. If you asked him for a swap specifically, I mean, yeah, the, that's yeah. pretty fucked up. I mean, like he's still a little kid, and that lady. Oh man, that's messed up, right? But she doesn't we know. We didn't he's a need kid. to go down that road. We but didn't. I mean, <laughs> I, we, I agree either. with you, but look. It's hard to talk about big without talking about two things. How it's about a, a little kid who has sex with a lady, and also that the toys that company makes, even when he gives them advice, are not good. It's not a good toy company. Yeah. Take also, that, toy company Also, big. that keyboard thing is bullshit. Tell what me, you, okay, speak to it. Tell me your truth about it. Speak your truth no, about it just, big. It's kind of sucks as a toy, and it breaks easily. That's okay, all. Okay, so you're saying that Robert Loja and Tom Hanks wouldn't really be able to dance chopsticks <laughs> Not in real life. That was just movie magic. I mean, they could. That's the kind of practical stunt we're talking about. Come out here. (laughs) Okay, everybody. Enough about big. This isn't the big episode of the podcast. This is the Cobra episode of the podcast. Because there's no one bigger than Sylvester Stallone. Anyway, so uh, the police show up. The bad guys run off. Ingrid has been saved. Uh, he, she's interviewed by Cobretti and Gonzalez, and the evil lady cop is kind of watching her through a window. And she tells them the least amount of information she could possibly get away with. Tell, they're like, do you want to, why don't you come after you? You owe anyone money? No. You involved with drugs or people who do drugs or sell drugs? She goes, no, which is bullshit. She's in the fashion industry. I'm sorry. But, and then, uh, and then and she's like, you know what? Earlier, wow. in the, earlier in the night, I drove by a man and he scared me. And they're like, what? He just looks scary. What time was that around? 10 o'clock, and he's like, that's the airtight lead we need. <laughs> she drove by a scary guy. <laughs> and uh, the, uh, the ex-cult leader, he, and so tell us about who, who his name in the, in the credits is just Night Slasher, but who, where else have we seen him? Uh, he's the alien bounty hunter from X-Files, who's the judge in Buffy. He was uh, one, of the, one of the punks, punks in, in Terminator. Terminator. with Bill He's Paxton. (laughs) He's all over genre movies because he's like a a big, distinctive-looking guy. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Uh, he is just sharpening knives, and he's putting so much effort into it that he's coated in sweat. I fucking love this movie. Has a hero and a villain, both with like signature weapons. Uh He's got this like plus five dagger with spikes. (laughs) Like I love that shit. And he keeps it sharp. He takes good care of it. Yeah. But he's he's totally a sword guy. He loses that thing, he's fucking done, man. He can't. He doesn't have unarmed combat. <laughs> uh, and he's got. And he has some pretty bad roles later on. That's that's part of the part of it also. Uh, the evil lady cop is like, "Let me kill her for for you." And he goes, "No, this one's mine." And uh, they. She's in the hospital still, Ingrid, because uh, she was so frightened so badly, I guess. And, uh, and, and uh, Cobretti and Gonzalez, Cobretti's like, you're going to have to stay here under guard. And then offers Gonzalez whatever she has left over from her hospital food, and he just takes it. And at no point is she like, what are you doing? Like, what? You're going to eat my leftovers? I'm, I'm supposed to trust you as protection now? This is... Yeah. Uh, 
Cobra and Gonzalez, they banter a little bit about whether she's attractive or not. And Cobra goes home and those punks whose undershirts he ripped, they respect him now. <laughs> <laughs> they, they respect his strength. Cobra does some computer research at home on a very old-timey computer. And uh, meanwhile, the cult leader is entering the hospital. He kills a janitor, steals the uniform. The uniform fits him perfectly, despite yeah, him yeah, being yeah. a foot and a half taller. Yeah, it's <laughs> Agent 47. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, again, it's the traveling, it's the, it's the <laughs> secret, of the, secret of the traveling janitor's onesie. <laughs> um, what are those called? Jumpsuits? <laughs> Not onesies. Yeah, yeah they're, <laughs> <laughs> it's like they are generally it, called jumpsuits yeah. instead of onesies. But, yeah, uh, you're saying jan- janitors don't routinely wear outfits that are legless <laughs> and snap at the crotch <laughs> yeah. for ease of diaper changing? <laughs> And say, my daddy loves pavement. Yeah. No, no, it's one of those. That's like a Brooklyn specific yeah, sort of onesies. Yeah, yeah. And it could be one of those onesies they sell at tourist spots that are like, I'm white mommy drinks, that kind of thing. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. Um, I don't like them. I don't like them. I'm not saying that approvingly. It's, it's wine o'clock somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, kid, you're a baby. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> you're scaring this baby straight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We you, got your, baby. you got your whole life ahead of you. You don't want to get in jail. You know what they do to babies in what jail? Got, what do you got to be stressed about, baby, huh? Come on. <laughs> I mean, babies have a lot to be stressed about. Their mom walks out of the room. They don't know if she's ever coming That's back. True. Maybe she doesn't That's exist true. anymore. You know what? I shouldn't make fun of babies' pain just because it's different from my own. It, yeah. that's uh, Dan, Dan, I'm glad that we opened your mind about babies. <laughs> now you're an ally. They're baby. all right. All right, raves Dan McCoy yeah. on human young. Yeah, you don't, you don't, you don't put babies in corners. No, uh, you never do that. You never put babies in corners. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what if they're getting a timeout? Why would you give a baby a timeout? They don't understand why they're being disciplined, Dan. They're babies. <laughs> <laughs> where, where? That's enough out of you. Time out. You this, this is the is only way I know how to I communicate. Where? Do you think? Do you think the big lift uh, dance move in Dirty Dancing is because her name is much baby easier with a baby? They're, yeah, they're like, well, her name's Baby. That's what you do with babies. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you don't usually do you that do with a babies. Why? What do, what do you do with them then? You do what Jay Orbach does, and you carry around Jennifer Grey and a Bjorn strapped to oh, your chest. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Yeah. This is what, yeah, I still love carrying you around, baby. And she's like, uh, okay, I guess it is my nickname. I guess you do have to carry me around in this thing. And then uh, and he's feeding her, like, you know, strained peas and things like that. Or, <laughs> sure, build out the world. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, anyway, uh, the cult leader uh, gets real distracted from mission one, which is killing the witness, and decides to go after a nurse just because the movie needs another body to get killed. He's about to stab... He sneaks into Ingrid's room. Ingrid's room. He's about to stab her bed when he has the strangest non sequitur, which is, he just goes, pretty hair. <laughs> and then stabs her bed. She wasn't even in it. She walks out of the bathroom and is surprised to see him, which is like, did he imagine the hair, or...? There, we must have not been paying attention, and she put, like, a wig in there, and that was, like... She, like, home alone. A clumsy screenwriter's way of being like, ah, this will this will uh, this will really underline what's going on rather than confusing it. And the weirdest thing before this is part of his trap for the nurse he killed is that he goes into an old lady's room and puts the janitor's mop in the bed with her as if that's tr- making the nurse think that he's actually in the bed and not her. She, she's like, oh, long, stringy, greasy hair yeah. <laughs> attached to a metal mop head. <laughs> but anyway, uh, he he he's after her. She she gets she locks herself in the bathroom. He stabs through the door of the bathroom. Meanwhile, Cobretti's finally there, but he doesn't get there in time to save her. She runs into the hallway because the bathroom has a back door that exits on the hallway, which seems... I mean, I haven't spent a lot of time in hospitals these days, but do they... The bathrooms routinely have a public door and a private door? 
You know what? I, I can't speak to that, but I do know that there's a supreme lack of privacy in, in hospitals. So maybe they just that's do true. it to add a little less privacy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, what can we fair. do here to minimize we it? We already see everyone's butts all the yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she pulls off the fire alarm. The halls flood with people. The cult leader, knowing he's not going to get her this time, he leaves. The next day, Cobretti's like... This cult's got to have somebody on the inside. And they're like, prove it. And he's like, well, I can't. If I, if I could, I'd be doing something about yeah. it already. If I could, I'd tell you earlier if I had proof. Yeah. Everyone's is, mad at him. They're so mad at him. A lot even of though, scenes of people are just yelling they're <laughs> one like, line you gotta, back to you. You got a lot of nerve, Cobretti. And he's like, yeah, but the nerve I got is pretty good or something like that, yeah. you know. Actually, the real one, they go, you got, a, you got a real attitude problem. And he goes, yeah, but it's just a little one. <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which is a line that sounds really good. And then you think about it, you're like, his attitude problem is enormous. <laughs> Like he's a, he's a, I think he's being facetious, though. I guess that's true, yeah. <laughs> facetious is like Confucius, but he doesn't mean it. Yeah. It's like, why, why, why did you believe all that set, things I said? All those aphorisms, they don't make that much sense if you think um, about them for more than just a little bit. I, I mean, see when my disciples collected my analects into one book, they couldn't put winking in parentheses in front of every one of them. Uh, JK, JK was the end of a lot of these. I don't... <laughs> uh, so they got to take Ingrid to a safe house. Cobretti, Gonzalez, and mean evil lady cop, because there are no other police officers, I guess. They take her, and Stallone's like, why, there were cops on guard at Ingrid's hospital room. Why were they removed? And, and Glass's cop is like, I don't know. Find it out yourself, dude. <laughs> and they don't. They don't bother to look into it. But as they're driving away, the Axe cult again makes another strange move. This is a secret underground cult that kills at night. They decide to send two, that is, kills people with axes. They send two carloads of people with guns to chase after them in in broad daylight, and this leads like to... Like a, a witness who may have seen somebody who, do something. Certainly, this witness would not stand up in court. Oh, I saw that person, and they were scary. Did you see them committing a crime? <laughs> Isn't being scary a crime? <laughs> of, of course not. <laughs> if, if it was, then R.L. Stein would have been locked up a long time ago. <laughs> and now, can you, point, can you point out to the court the man who gave you goosebumps? <laughs> <laughs> It's okay, he can't hurt we, you now. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was that man. We find you uh, innocent of goosebumps, but guilty of the lesser charge of goose pimples. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he plea bargained it, yeah. yeah. Uh, so there's a big car chase. It's honestly, guys, would you, how would you describe this car chase? Awesome or extremely awesome? <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of slow-mo jumping in the air as they go over hills. And yeah. it's like it's the same hills sort of three times because it is that awesome. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we see it multiple times. Uh, Cobra, when he finally pulls out a machine gun, he like shoots a car to pieces or something like that. <laughs> yeah, he like, he like basically skins the car like he's peeling an apple. He shoots it and somehow like, like the carapace comes off. Yeah. And it's just... <laughs> I'm not really sure. I do love that he's like, you know, I have this uh, witness that I'm trying to protect in the car. I'm going to chase these fuckers. Yeah. Well, so, so, uh, so, so Isaac Asimov's three rules of cobrotics tell us that number one, kill bad guys. Law number two, protect good guys unless it conflicts with law number one. Uh. Law number three, cut up that pizza smaller. <laughs> unless it conflicts with law two or law one. Yeah. So if a bad guy was like, you can kill me or you can cut up pizza. Obviously, Cobra has to follow the first law and kill him. But on the other hand, if it's like, don't do it, Cobra, don't cut up that pizza because it's attached to a bomb that'll destroy a good guy, then uh-huh. he goes, oh, I can't do it. Law two supersedes law three. Yeah. I mean, the things you're saying are dumb, but I, I, I admire the skill 
for which, like, the speed at which you sort of, like, came through with the, what would the logic be of these scenarios? Yeah, sure. I spent a lot of time thinking about Asimov's laws in case I ever become a robot. <laughs> in case you need to. Yeah. In case I ever got to, ever got to program a robot for a fashion shoot. <laughs> I don't anyway. want this robot to kill Brigitte Nielsen, so I better put some safeguards in here. Yeah, so eventually the hunter becomes the hunted. Stallone's going after the bad guys, flips his nitrous boost, the thing that you think he would do the first to get away from the bad guys, but no. Uh, and eventually the bad guys get away. They, they manage to crash into a boat that's on the land. Yeah. <laughs> uh, nighttime. The superiors are like, Cobretti, you almost killed the witness, blah, blah, blah. He's like, I want to take... Uh, the Ingrid out of town for her protection. And my <laughs> glasses cop is like, did you have to kill so many people? <laughs> and Cobra is going to punch him. But they agree, let Cobra take the witness outside. Worst case scenario, at least all the violence that trails him <laughs> yeah, everywhere exactly. will be outside of the city. <laughs> and that plan works. And Gonzalez and bad guy cop go along also. On the drive, we get some, finally some talking time between Cobra and Ingrid. And uh, he gets to explain to Ingrid that uh, when, they, when he arrests people, the judges just let them go. And Ingrid is like, that makes me sick. And I'm like, mm, well, that's how it works. I mean, <laughs> like, that's what happens. It's called the criminal justice system, and it's not your job to circumvent it, Cobra. But... Oh, but I, I mean also that kind of conversion where she's like, oh, I think the law is a good thing. He's like, actually, it's not. Let me red pill you. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was doing my own research, and it turns out judges are just yeah. letting people go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is her equivalent of being like, tell me about Quentin Tarantino movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is also like... <laughs> Where she, like, falls in love with him during the course of one scene for no particular reason. Yeah, well, because, uh, you know, they're all weird people. Is this where they're stopped at the yes. roadside? Tell us. So they stop at, they a, stop at a... It's like a novelty stand <laughs> on the... Like, it has a... It's like a gas Rubber station. chicken hanging. <laughs> it's, a, it's a roadside stand where you would expect to see <laughs> fresh produce. But as Dan is saying, it's selling novelties and, like, goofy things. Like, he'd be driving down the road and be like, oh, you know what? I did need some x-ray specs. Hold on, let me <laughs> stop real quick for this. Oh, Bobblehead wearing a Padres uniform and uh, a rubber chicken. Okay. Could I have the gum that snaps your finger when you try and take a piece? Oh, is this locally made? No. Oh, okay. I'll buy it anyway. Yeah, we, we raise our own whoopee cushions here at the farm. Yeah. Oh, well, you can really tell the difference. You can now, really is this tell actual it. peanut brittle? Oh, no, it is snakes. Okay, I'll take the snakes. Open, open that slowly. Open that slowly. <laughs> now we have the ones that come with real snakes and the ones that come with fake snakes. The real snakes, that would be really dangerous. They're dead. They don't even pop out. <laughs> it's just kind of gross. Oh, yeah, you know what? Logically, I, it makes sense to me now that a, can, a snake wouldn't do well just stuck in a can. No, they do very badly. <laughs> I tell you, whoever can crack keeping a snake alive in a can will be a millionaire someday. <laughs> Build a better snake trap. Mm-hmm. They said it couldn't be done, and yet my son has figured out how to do it. Oh, no, he didn't. No, no. <laughs> Stead again. I'm sorry I called all the assembled press here for this for this conference. <laughs> to this roadside novelty stand. Please uh, take a free whoopee cushion as you go. Well, that story didn't pan out, but now Geraldo's gonna open up Al Capone's vault. Yeah. Let's see how that turns out. It's the 80s. Okay, so uh, meanwhile, the Axe Cult is doing. Oh, this is when uh, Gonzalez goes. Hey, you should call Cobra this and whispers something, and she comes over and goes. Oh, nice to meet you, Marion Cobretti. That's his name, Marion like, Cobretti. What the fuck? What? This tough guy? His name is Marion? Why, you'd have to be fucking John Wayne to be named Marion, because that's his actual name. Anyway, uh, he, and later on he's like, yeah, you know, you get beat up a lot as a kid, so that's why I'm tough and I kill people, because I had a name like that. Meanwhile, the axe cult is doing what they do best, hanging out in the sewers, banging their axes clanging, together. Clanging, clanging. <laughs> Maybe that's how they talk to each other. Is that? Yeah. 
Uh, they can't hear shit anymore because of all the clanging. Yeah. They click at each other like mimics. And for some reason, they make another stop. They stop at a burger place where we get to see Sylvester Sloan's funny side. He picks up a big novelty hamburger and he's like, oh, they make them pretty big over here, don't they? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, she puts so much ketchup on her fries. He's like, oh, your fries, they're drowning. Oh, I need a lifesaver for those fries. He's got like, a lot of food material, this guy. <laughs> Just let me fucking eat, Sly. <laughs> On the way over to the safe house, we got to stop at this one burger place. I got a lot of site-specific material. <laughs> it doesn't I work anywhere it out. else. You won't believe this hamburger they got. <laughs> yeah, I always go ahead of time to check out where we're going to stop so I can come See, up with some material. Funny there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's what I'm famous for. Well, I think you're mostly famous for killing criminals without reading them their rights or anything like that. Yeah, but it's the comedy that I want to be known for. Yeah. You know, comedy is really art when you think about it. Oh, boy. Okay. Is Nanette stand-up? I don't know. Cobra, we don't need to hear it. We don't need it. Okay. Uh, and she is coming on to him hard. She goes, do you ever date women? And he's like, you'd have to be crazy to date me, which is notably self-knowledging. Yeah. 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 Uh, and he's still dismayed at how... She puts even more ketchup on it, just cuts to a shot of his face, and he's like, what? Do I want to date this woman? <laughs> So much sugar and acid in there. <laughs> this is your vinegar intake. It's too high. <laughs> I've been giving my partner guff about it, but at least he puts a reasonable amount of ketchup on these French fries. Is that a is that a red flag for you, Ellen? Yeah, it's as red as the sauce itself. No, Stuart, it's not. Because you know what? I truly believe ketchup is the humble everyman king of the condiments. Not a joke. Unless it's just in a one true of those thing, jars where someone has an old-timey mustache. Oh, you mean Sir Kentington's ketchup? <laughs> so my kids... They don't want to call anyone out by name. They might, you know... I'll do it. So there's, so in my family, there's a big ketchup battle. Uh-huh. Uh, my sister hates ketchup. She's not a part of it. She's not, she refuses to pick a side, which I think is immoral. But anyway, uh, Heinz ketchup... It's, it's the biggest ketchup in the world. There's this fancier ketchup called Sir Kensington's that has a man and a mustache on the label. My children are not a fan of this ketchup. I think it's fine. It's just ketchup. But every time I go to, get, I go to the soda store, I go, guess what? They had your favorite ketchup, Sir Kensington's, and they get so mad. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, feel free to sponsor our show, Sir Kensington's. Uh, uh, it's night at the motel. Oh, so now the ex-cult, they arm up, they get guns, they get on their motorcycles. They are riding. And we learn that this, uh, this like roadside bar and town they're staying in is a foundry town. That's important because that's going to be the location for the final battle. A foundry that I guess just makes sparks and flames and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's a make work project. Yeah, it's just uh, just to employ people. There's a big crane on a chain that just goes back and forth. Doesn't really do much of anything. Uh, so yeah, they're in an old foundry town. Uh, they stay at a motel that night, and Cobra catches the evil cop using a payphone. It was very suspicious, but not for the reasons he thinks it is. She, he's like, "Where's Gonzalez?" And she's like, "Oh, he's asleep in the room." Well, why didn't you use the phone in the room? And it's like, well, she just told you he's asleep. Like, what, what kind of jerk uses the phone in the room when the person someone's sleeping there? But he thinks it's very suspicious. And she's like, oh, uh, it was broken. It's like, you just, you know, all you have to tell him is he's sleeping. I don't, anyway. <laughs> it made, this it's really is, hit a nerve with you. It did. I feel like, well, I don't like it when a move, when something is supposed to be like the key that tips someone off about something, but it is a dumb thing that is, yeah. should not do it. Oh, well, why'd you, why'd you shoot that one? How'd you know that was a, one of the kidnappers, not one of the hostages? His shoes. Really? You know that much yeah. about shoes? Yeah. He was wearing kidnapper shoes. I hate the ones where there's like, I never said their name. I'm like, I know that with my memory, I could easily say someone's name and then forget I said it. 
I'm just like, yeah, if you, if you say that I told you your name, I trust you, man. Like, <laughs> how else would you know? Certainly not some evil scheme, you know? And also, it, you gotta, you, usually, they're, I think they're probably pretty good about not saying stuff they're not supposed to know. Yeah. Um, These are evil like, masterminds yeah, we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. They're masterminds. We're like, constantly coming up against <laughs> That's why we need a cobra! Anyway, uh, Ingrid is watching Sylvester Stallone put guns together, and she is so turned on that she has to call him over to the bed so they can start making out. I mean, the gun has a laser sight, man. It's so cool. <laughs> yeah, it's like a future gun. That's yeah. true. Yeah, the next morning... The bad cop is gone. Uh-oh, the axe cult arrives. The bad cop is pointing out where the everyone else is. They attack this roadside motel. There's so much shooting. They're just destroying this place with yeah. guns. And yeah. uh, grenades and firebombs and motorcycles and everything. That's yeah, the, 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 all the weapons in the, in the rainbow. <laughs> the weapons <laughs> rainbow. Yeah. Uh, Gonzalez... Back in, you know, of course, back in the 80s, we had the weapons pyramid that we had. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they decided to put more Uzis in, I guess, <laughs> mm-hmm. and... No, you don't actually need this many Uzis per day. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Gonzalez gets shot. Oh, no, there's a lot of great stunt falls. Ah! And there's some good bits. I like uh, that there's an evil sniper guy in the Axe Cult who every time he, like, lifts his sniper rifle up, the camera, like, cuts to, like, sniper vision for a second. So the first shot, that first shot is a fantastic shot where you're looking at the motel and then the sniper scope lifts up into frames so that it becomes that you're now looking through the scope. That was a cool shot. Yeah, it's great. That should be on that one perfect shot Twitter feed that whose standards are kind of up and down, you know, a little iffy at times, but... Yeah, damn. What, you want us you, to you know debate you, you on this? Yeah, I'm just, I'm coming up with hot yeah, take I'll, after I'll, hot take. Catch-up is great. That Twitter I'll feed is okay. tweet at him right now. Do it. <laughs> Skeet or Tell, whatever Ask them the why, they, why they're Cobra deniers. Come on. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, they escape, Ingrid and Sly, they escape in a truck. Sly's in the flatbed of the truck, pickup truck, just shooting people. Blasting. This is the platonic ideal of an action movie. He's a man standing up in a moving pickup truck with a machine gun shooting motorcycle riders. Uh, they have to smash through a flaming car barricade which they, makes them get out of the car for some, the truck for some yeah, reason. Some guy, some guy climbs on the hood of the car, falls off, gets run over. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Now they're running on foot through an orange grove. They're making use of the space, like any great mime artist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get separated. Separated. Ingrid runs into the foundry, pursued by the evil cop. She shoots the controls in such a way that it starts the foundry up, which uh-huh. is, I guess, a fail-safe mechanism. They're like, well, what if we lose the key to the machine? <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry. It's made so that if you shoot it, it turns on. Okay, that's the, what if he gets shot by accident by like an ex-cult cop? I don't think that's gonna happen. And also, don't shoot anywhere around it or else it'll just ricochet and hurt you. Yeah, we are surrounded by metal. Don't do that. The cult leader finally shows up. He's tired of letting his, his goons do their work uh, and is stalking Ingrid through this flaming sparks factory. And Sly Stallone, he's setting traps for all these cult members. He puts a grenade somewhere and then waits for them to walk over to it and then shoots the grenade to blow them up. And it's like, that seems time-consuming. <laughs> and you're really, you're really hoping that they walk yeah, by that one what? spot. Yeah, you know what? You could just throw the grenade at them. Yeah. It only now occurred to me that or they, even, or even well, just one normally does with a grenade. <laughs> Yeah, if he just fires two bullets, one into each guy, he succeeds. Yeah, he has both a gun and yeah. a grenade, and he's not using either of them yeah. effectively. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they like, do not need to be used in tandem. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I get you want style points, okay? It's yeah. a multiplier for your total score. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. It is like turning on a TV so that the so that your other TV will that's a that's uh, attached to the clapper will turn on when it hears the sound of that TV. It seems like an extra unnecessary step. Uh, he does cover someone with gasoline and then what just throws a match on them and burns them alive. Yeah. It's like at that point it's gratuitous. Like that's uh, we haven't gotten to the most gratuitous kill. Yeah. But. 
the uh, biggie. Gratuitous kill is a great name from an 80s action movie. Yeah. Why did they make that? Dan, why didn't you make that? I guess I'll go through the portal of time or yeah. porthole of time. I even fucking fucked up my own thing. You did. Guys, Dan I fucked even up fucking fucked up my own thing. Dan McCoy. Uh, but like gratuitous kill. What we got like a killer looking through the blinds at like a lady changing. <laughs> yeah, so it starts, yeah, Shannon tweets inside. It starts inside. with a lady changing. We pull back to show that's a video on a screen being watched by another lady who's changing. <laughs> oh, I didn't oh, know this shit. was a Brian De Palma movie. Yeah, then we yeah. pull back to reveal that this is actually being watched through a window by a naked lady, and she <laughs> and she kills the lady, but in a way where the bullet also hits the TV. The screen it doesn't break the TV. There's just a bullet hole over the heart of the visual image. Wow. Cut to the cops are like the naked lady killer struck again. <laughs> what are we gonna do? Ugh, there's, what can we do? And me and and Saul gratuitous, the bad, the, the like over the over the edge cop. He's like, you gotta send me out there. I'm the only one who can do it. Saul gratuitous. We only send you into the worst of worst situations. And for some reason, a serial killer does not meet that definition. For some reason. Every time we send you out, you kill at least three more people than you need to. Yeah. Hey, let's just say I get the most from my money. He's got a lot of those kinds of lines. It's an extra added value. Yeah, not even bang for your buck. I mean, that's more <laughs> obvious, right? Well, we're, he's workshopping a lot of these. Yeah, we're so these. close yeah. to the end of Cobra. We got to push through. We got to. All right. We'll tell you more about gratuitous kills some other time, I guess. So, um, uh, so. TM. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, copyright us. Don't anyone steal it. Come on. So. The only, only the cult leader's left alive, and he's doing his classic rant. There's a new world coming. We're paving it. We have to kill the weak so the strong survive. We are the future. It is a very messy yeah, he makes philosophy. makes a lot of good points now that I think about and it. And also, I feel like like Cobra would follow a lot of these well, beliefs. If this, if this was a better movie... I mean, if this was another kind of bad movie, you'd say, we're not so different, you and I. But if this was a better movie, they'd do a better job of drawing a parallel where, like, yeah, the world they're creating is the world Cobra thinks he lives in and wants to live in because then he can do whatever he wants. But this is a movie that I think, it, for some reason, they can't make that connection. And maybe it's where Sylvester Stallone's head was at at the time that he's like, can you believe this bad guy doing this thing? Anyway, the good guy who does the same thing, he's cool. Yeah, no, it's, you, it's literally a good guy with a gun argument. Yeah. Uh, or in this case, a knife. Which in the, uh, or it versus a chain, which becomes just a bare hands at a certain point. Anyway, uh, he's like, Cobra, you won't kill me. You have to take me, and even I have rights. And then the courts will call me insane and let me go. <laughs> and Cobra, uh, he goes... <laughs> and like, at this point, at Cobra. this point, he has shown no compunction no. to kill anybody. <laughs> he's, if, at the, if ever there was a guy that the speech doesn't work with, it is Cobretti. Yeah. The guy who's just mowed down every single one of your followers. Yeah. Cobra, Cobra at this point is like, allow me to present my rebuttal, which is to take him, put him on a hook, yeah. and then push him into some fire. Yeah, <laughs> kills it. They have a fight and they do it, but it's not since uh, I saw Dial of Destiny where the bad guys are so kill crazy, and then when they are in a room with the two heroes, and they're like, give us the thing or we'll kill you. And it's like, you killed the guy who opened the gate for you at the airport. Just like, shoot them both. What are you doing? Uh. Anyway, uh, they, they have a big fight. It ends with uh, Sylvester Stallone, yeah, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacring this guy by just impaling him on a giant hook, which pulls him into fire. <laughs> and uh, Sylvester and Ingrid reunite. Police descend on the area. Gonzalez is alive and asks for some gummy bears. And the police boss is like, you did a good job, Cobra. You need anything, tell me. And Cobra goes, I need my car replaced. And he goes, it's not in the budget. And walks away. <laughs> Great fucking moment, <laughs> <Yeah>. honestly. Yeah. <laughs> 
I was thinking more in case like you need someone to house sit while you while you recover on a vacation or something. Uh, and uh, Weenie Cop, he taunts Cobra. He's like, no, but no, yeah, you know, no hard feelings. But you didn't really have to do all that stuff. And Cobra punches him. And the audience at that point, I guess, is supposed to go nuts cheering. Yeah, yeah this was the stand up and cheer, cheer moment, moment at the Oscars yeah. that year. Actually. Yeah, yeah. They, they were like, well. We wish we could stand up and cheer at the Flash entering a speed force, but it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> or someday. Or ha- oh, so yeah, you're, you're right. Time travel. Um, and Cobra and Ingrid they drive away on a on one of the dead Axe Cult members' motorcycles, I assume, not wearing helmets, to a sort of sub Springsteen-ish song. Yeah. And now the story of Cobra has been immortalized in the oral tradition for future generations. Yeah. Uh, I'll, pa- I'll pass down the tale of Cobra to my children who will pass it down to their children. Until that, s- someday... They're like, why do they call him that, Papa? Is he a reptile? <laughs> and I'll say, yeah, you love animals, sure. <laughs> yeah, he's a Cobra man, sure. <laughs> like in that old anti-drug PSA? Oh, you remember that? When a guy turns into a Cobra? Or that character from Jonah Hex, the movie? Oh, the Snake Man and Jonah Hex? Yeah. Or like those uh, car commercials, the like security system where the guy, the burglar's reaching for the car, but he keeps seeing a snake in the window. Yeah, All yeah. snake things. But now is the part of the show. I love the idea. We go to it. We go. We go to do a show in a different country, and we're like, remember all these ads from when we were kids, <laughs> where we grew up. Advertisements. Hey, remember the? You guys remember those ads for Bowcraft Amusement Park, the New York area amusement park? You guys uh, know the ads for Menards, the Midwestern. <laughs> You remember when Room Plus was having their just round the corner sale? This is the part where we say our final judgments, whether this is a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie kind of like. This straddles a couple categories in that morally (laughs) I find it to be a good, bad movie in the sense that, like, I enjoy laughing at how outside of my own views this movie is. Does he like to laugh at people who share different views than you? Interesting. Uh, (laughs) No, I... How typical. How typical. I am both enjoying it ironically and unironically at the same time because I grew up in the 80s and this sort of trash uh, action has a lot of pull for me. Traction. But but also, like, I kind of like it because it has that Canon Pictures thing where it is working overtime to entertain you uh, you know, the whole time. Whether or not it's doing it with good stuff or, <laughs> or, or nutritious uh, art. Uh, <laughs> nutritious art. <laughs> not really, but no, it's imagine, fun. I imagine an ad for the, the, the French Tourism Board hires you to, to do ads, and there's a, one where you're taking a bite out of the Mona Lisa, and you're like, art, it's good for you. And they're like, why did we do this? Why did we hire them to eat our paintings? <laughs> I'm just acknowledging that it is, it is the junkiest of yes, movie junk food. Very but much so. It's fun. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, it's basically like a movie equivalent of uh, Benjamin Mara comic. And, I mean, I feel like, I don't know, I, I it's still a movie I kind of like. It's so dumb, and it's obviously the message is terrible. But I do love the fact that the bad guys are a fucking axe cult. <laughs> like, I feel like if this movie is made uh, these days, but it can't be... Uh, but if it was made now, the X code would be like fucking vampires or something dumb. But in this case, it's just like a bunch of dudes who playing axes <laughs> together. 
and it's they make a point. They're like anyone could be in this cult. And there's one guy wearing a suit who's in the meetings, but I mean, you never see him in a fight. The only guy is just like biker dudes that are in the fights. Yeah. Uh, I, I this movie gets every category for me. Morally, it is a bad, bad movie. It's a bad message that this world is such a hell pit of violence that we need a man who will kill in order to keep uh, keep things in line. But it's also a good bad movie because it's super fun, but I also really like it. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. it hits every time I've, I've watched it. I'm always like, this movie, I'm gonna hate this movie. And then it gets the action scenes, and I'm like, that car just flipped over. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm such a sucker for, for Sylvester Stallone quipping. Like, I'm such. It's this is there's a. I feel like this is top tier Stallone junk for sure. He's made good yeah. movies. This is. I mean, if you want a good Stallone movie go see Creed. If you want a movie that is like the Stallonius to Stallone in a junky way, then the Cobra's pretty, it pushes the buttons. Yeah, it checks off those boxes. Is that what you check? Yeah, I think yeah, so. You check to, ma- to make sure there's no snakes inside them? <laughs> yeah, that's what the PSA uh, told us in the 70s. Check yeah. a box to see if there's a snake inside. Not so fast, little Johnny. <laughs> check that box to make sure there's not a snake inside it. There was a snake inside <laughs> Glad I checked it. Really? That's the first time that's ever happened. <laughs> well, I guess this whole PSA uh, outlay of money was worth it. I'm Chubby Checker for box checking. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to check your boxes for snakes. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Don't twist yourself in knots with worry. <laughs> uh, Ugh, what are we doing? No, you, can, uh, you, can, you can go on some more. I bet you got no, some yeah. no. more, more gas in the tank on that one. <laughs> I'm Fats Domino. Before you put those boots on, there might be a scorpion inside. Check your boots for scorpions. Soundheap with John Luke Roberts is a real podcast made up of fake podcasts. Like, if you had a cupboard in your lower back, what would you keep in it? So I'm going to say mugs. A little yogurt and a spoon. A small handkerchief that was given to me by my grandmother on her deathbed. Maybe some spare honey? I'd keep batteries in it. I'd pretend to be a toy. If I had a cupboard in my lower back, I'd probably fill it with spines. If you had a cupboard in your lower back, what would you keep in it? Doesn't exist. We made it up for Sound Heap with John Luke Roberts. An award-winning comedy podcast from Maximum Fun, made up of hundreds of stupid podcasts. Listen and subscribe to Sound Heap with John Luke Roberts. Now. Oh, darling, why won't you accept my love? My dear, even though you are a duke, I could never love you. You, you borrowed a book from me and never returned it. (gasps) Save yourself from this terrible fate by listening to Reading Glasses. We'll help you get those borrowed books back and solve all your other reader problems. Reading Glasses, every Thursday on Maximum Fun. Hey there, this week is a live show, and that means that you are lucky, question mark, enough to have me alone, Dan McCoy, doing your ad reads for you. Stuart, Elliot, get out of here. I got ads to do. Number one, for microdose gummies. Microdose gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. And, uh, you know, you may not believe it from how I sound irritated at the constant interruptions on this podcast, but I can be a grumpy Gus sometimes, and I find that a little bit of microdose gummy helps me relax, helps me make emotional connections that maybe I have a little harder time doing without the microdose gummies. 
and just uh, has generally made me a more chill person. So you can get 30% off your first order plus free shipping to get today, today even, at microdose.com, promo code FLOP. That's microdose.com, promo code FLOP for 30% off and free shipping, microdose.com. Promo code FLOP. Also, we are sponsored in part by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything. Products, content you create, and even your time. What does Squarespace do for you? It's much more than a hosting company. It also helps you gain powerful insights into who's visiting your site and how they're interacting with your content with their in-depth analytics tools, including page views, traffic sources, time on site, most read content, and more. They've also got tools to get your business off the ground, including inventory management, a simple checkout process, and secure payments. And with Fluid Engine, a next-generation website design system from Squarespace, you can start with a template and customize every design detail with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. So why not head to squarespace.com slash flop that's an important part. Slash flop for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code FLOP, F-L-O-P, to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Sorry, this is the part where we talk to the audience. There's a, there's a uh, microphone right down there. Am I pointing the right direction? No. no. Oh, the microphone no, is no, coming out. No, it's coming. Dan, Sorry, I, re- I forgot that we were supposed to gotcha. vamp a little. To give time for this. Okay, I'll vamp a little. Children of the night. He does this every time. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so we have a uh, we have a microphone. Uh, We have some time for some audience questions. Um, Yes. We've 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 dawdled a while. Let's uh, try and keep it tight. Let's do this. Okay, we only have time for seventy three (laughs) questions. But from each of you, if you do not have seventy three questions, do not get out of your seat. (laughs) Just kidding. Don't do that. Sorry. Everybody don't panic. I'm untucking my shirt. <laughs> Good news, fellas. Yeah, that's, just, that's the farthest we'll let him go. Chiggity, check one. Oh, yeah, he's wearing hey. underwear. All right. <laughs> Good yes, news, sir. fellas. Uh, Flophouse TV show on Netflix, Greenlit. Pilot's coming up. Thank you. This is amazing. <laughs> right a room full. Oh. But you do get to be music consultant. What's going to be the needle drop when you are introduced on the show? Uh, yeah, I mean, this is pretty easy. Obviously, it's the sexiest song ever, Drop Dead Legs by Van Halen. <laughs> you know, it's a little bit funky. He says giant butt in it. I love it. Uh, Did you expect me to go longer on no, my Yeah, answer? I thought you were going to have more. I have I, uh, my, I've, I've, my children are well aware, because I've talked to us about them, talked about this. If I, if I was ever a major league baseball player, my walkout, or a wrestler for that matter, I'm still working on it, that my walkout music originally was... What gonna, position would you play on a baseball team? Do you know the positions? Uh, I'd probably be the full front. Oh, <laughs> 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 well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But my walkout, if I was a pitcher or something like that, my walkout music originally was going to be This Town Ain't Big Enough for the Both of Us by Sparks, because it's a fantastic song. It's a great walkout song. But I don't know. I've been listening to so much Atarashi Gakko lately, and uh, <laughs> I think it's got to be either Tokyo Calling or Giri Giri now. I don't know. I'm going to have to do some, some Japanese girl pop to come out. Yeah. 
Uh, and I would like to come out to the Monster Mash. Yeah. <laughs> Never has a if song been associated with somebody more. <laughs> Every time we do karaoke within, I don't know, 11 months of Halloween, <laughs> Dan will inevitably, I'll hear the opening strains of Monster Mash, and I'm like, what the fuck? It's better to sing it far away from Halloween. <laughs> that way you have the element of surprise. That was, that was, the, song, that was the song where, uh, at my wedding, that was the song that my coworkers requested the DJ play, and then they pointed me, and they're like, eh? And my new wife was like, I can't believe we're dancing to the Monster Mash. I was like, just like I always visualized it when I was a little boy. Yes. All right, this is a quick two-parter. Okay. Um, it's for Elliot. <laughs> yeah, thank oh, you. Great. So it's not going right. to be that quick. Okay, it'll be, well, you'll see. Um, Elliot, I noticed you haven't drank any of your water. Are you going to drink that? Uh, do, you, do you want it? Is I don't, that, yeah, is uh, it? Second part is, is can I have nope. it if you're not going <laughs> It was a two-part question. All right, I guess so. Unless, unless, yeah, yeah, the, I'll, unless I'll the venue that. doesn't want me to give away. The, I mean, here. This is a clever beverage workaround, but it only works once. But, yeah, and, but also now you have to give a bottle of water someday to someone in need. Yeah. Yes. Hi. My question is, did you notice that Gonzalez was Poppy from Seinfeld? And you what know what? I did. You're right. Say about it? Oh my god! That, well, you, well, you he know was. that all that junk That's food really got so to him because he could not control his bowels eventually. <laughs> you're right. That was Poppy. We were so busy. What was the thing we were so busy being excited about David Rash being in the film <laughs> that we didn't even notice. Well, we spent so long. Dan's like. I think uh, the main bad guy is this guy. No, wait, I think it's this other guy. I'm like, you can look on IMDb, and he's like, shut up, why do you gotta make me look stupid for all these people? This this reminds me, when I was working on the uh, television show Mystery Science Dude 3000, we had, thank you, great show. Uh, We had, they, uh, it's it's still available online. They, uh, there's a movie we did called Killer Fish, where there was kind of like loud, obnoxious character in it. And then I was watching Seinfeld, and that actor shows up much older in one scene in episode of Seinfeld. And I took a picture of the screen, I texted it to my coworkers on it. I'm like, he's from Killer Fish, he's in Seinfeld. Which and I received guy? no response. <laughs> I would respond, which guy is it? In Seinfeld or in Killer Fish? In Seinfeld. In Se- he was somebody's angry neighbor. I don't remember what he actually did. And he's only in one scene, but, but I was like, that's him, he's, he's aged terribly, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but that was Poppy from Seinfeld. You're right. That's amazing. It is. Thank you. Thank oh, you for that. That's great. Thank you. All this time we thought we were teaching them, they're teaching us. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. grew up so fast. <laughs> hey, guys. I'm always struck when a movie's most famous scene is a real tonal shift from what the actual movie is. So, for instance, when I finally watched Risky Business, I was surprised at how kind of grim and sinister it is compared yeah, to the scene. It's not a musical. No, no, it's, it's not just Tom Cruise sliding around in his jockeys or whatever it is. Have there been ever any movies where you've been like, you feel like you've been sold a false bill of goods on the basis of what the movie's most famous scene or what it's sort of been presented to you as and you go into it and you get something very, very different from what you were expecting. Well, we did just record an episode about Kangaroo Jack. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, that's an obvious yeah. movie that famously retooled its entire deal to, well, at least marketing-wise, to focus on the one scene of the rapping kangaroo to <laughs> yeah. fool people into thinking, this is a jaunty romp about a kangaroo that raps. Yeah. Well, the first half of Audition made me think it was going to be something. Uh, I mean, uh, Really recently, I watched American Fiction, and all the trailers really pitch it as like a Hollywood Shuffle-type comedy, and I feel like th- there's a lot more going on there, so it is a lot of different movies, and I think to, su- like, to some degrees of success, uh, so that kind of... 
Yeah, I don't know that I have a a good one because I, I as much as but I, my girls seem to be like, man, this is gonna be nothing but happy Macaulay Culkin. They literally, literally, they sold that movie as a comedy. Like you watch it, they're like the wackiest, wettest comedy. That is true. This is gonna a... be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I, but yeah, they're, they're on, I'm having trouble thinking of one where it's like there's a famous scene and you watch the movie. Oh, you know what? Uh, like Five Easy Pieces. Mm. I grew up, my dad was always quoting the, the, the toast scene or whatever it is. You know, then this, put the chicken between, between your knees or whatever. Mm. And I was like, he's like, it's a great scene. And I'm like, oh, this must be a really funny movie. And then I watched it and I'm like, oh, this is... It's not really a movie about a guy who wants food cooked the right way. <laughs> like, it's, it's about, about sort of an unpleasant man. Yeah, who... very unpleasant, but he plays piano beautifully. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Thanks, cool, I, like Claudia's I shirt. shirt. Yeah, yeah. great you. show. Did a podcast about it. It's I called Ipodius. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good podcast. Check it out. Maximum fun. Thank you. Um, I'm wondering... great question. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm wondering if you were ever in a situation where you impaled somebody on a hook and then pushed them into a furnace. Do you think I'm going to tell you that when the cops have been after me for years? <laughs> Uh, sorry, this is... Uh, if, if you were in that situation... Oh, right, right. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, would you want to have a snappy one-liner to say about it after prepared? And if so, what would that snappy one-liner be? I feel like if I was in that situation, I would be like Rachel McAdams in Game Night when I don't automatically... I'd immediately be like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, the camera would cut to me and I'd go... <laughs> 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 I imagine, yeah, you would want one prepared because that's a scenario yeah. that's likely to happen. And like, I'd probably be like, I'd be like, give this guy the hook. But that's not yeah. great. But then the other thing that comes to mind is the hook does bring you back. But that's a reference to Blues Travelers' less, less big uh, hit. So I'm like, all right, I'll think, we'll think of something. Yeah, like, I'm all what, hook up. Watch out! Like, don't, you don't want to keep doing that, or else you're gonna get hooked. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, yeah. And know. or uh, what, uh, let's see uh, something about fishing. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, stick a hook in him. He's done. Looks like you're a deader shade of pale because it's impaled on a hook. You know. <laughs> Just, uh, I guess Peter Pan must be your mortal enemy because call you Captain Hook. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Hope you got a PhD because now you're Doctor Hook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope that answers your question. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Does, thank I, you. The answer is we've got to work on it. We got to yeah. do this. Yeah. yeah. I've got yeah. to assume you're so on a cover of Rolling Stone because you're Doctor Hook. I, get it. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine Sylvester Stallone drives around just thinking of good quips and being like, "I got to write that down." And pulls over. Right. If a guy shoots another guy through the knee. <laughs> And he can say, needs to meet you. <laughs> okay, well, I'm, I'm running late, so I better get back on the road. <laughs> or he's got like a, like a dictation app. He's like, note to self. <laughs> if I'm ever in a movie and I throw a guy into quicksand. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. Yes. Um, so ever since I watched, I think it was Children of Men, I've been kind of obsessed with movies that use one t- long takes or one uh-huh, sure, yeah. like Russian uh, Ark. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's one. It's a movie in one take. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> so you start so, a fight about it? What? Yeah, I am. <laughs> uh, yeah, so much so that my fiance now makes fun of me for it when we're watching movies together. But, Is your fiance Mike D'Angelo famous <laughs> long take hater? 
Oh, yeah, of course. <coughs> I wish. Um, I was just wondering if you had a favorite example of a, a long take or a wonder in a movie. Uh, I mean, the opening of Touch of Evil is a, a classic. Um, I don't have much to say about it, but, you know. I, I mean, both, both versions are pretty good. You either get some great sound design or you get a Henry Mancini score. Can't All go flavors wrong. are Can't good. Can't go wrong with any cut of Touch of Evil. <laughs> yeah, so, Raves Dan McCoy in local podcast show. <laughs> I, I mean, this is not a controversial take, but the, the hallway fight scene in Old Boy is a, is a favorite one-taker of mine because it's like... The, not just because it's like, oh, it's cool, they did this all on take, but it's like, they have to catch their breath, they keep falling down and getting up again, and I was like, yeah, I guess if I was in a fight, even if I was doing well, I'm not knocking out these guys with punches, like, they have to keep getting up and doing it again, and you can tell they're real tired of it. Oh, I, love, I, it's a, I feel like it's not just one take, but it's a thing where it's like, oh, if this wasn't in one take, it wouldn't be quite the same. Yeah. The same as, um, I finally last year watched uh, Jane Dillman, uh, which is a lot of single take scenes of a woman making meals, and it's, I'm like, you know what? God damn it, there's no other way to make this movie. <laughs> I gotta watch her make cutlets from beginning Speaking to end. Speaking of making meals, uh, the end of Big Night is a good one, where like you just see him make an omelet for his brother mm-hmm. the night after, and they just play it That's out. Great. Uh, yeah, I like, uh, there's a couple shots in It Follows, where the camera just lingers yeah. on the crowd scene, and you're like, man, one of those has got to be that It Follows. <laughs> uh, which there's, one's walking weird? The title told me it was going to follow. <laughs> <laughs> that It better follow something. <laughs> the, the, uh, there's, a, there's also, a one last, is the opening of uh, Day for Night, the Truffaut movie, where it is a long single take, and then you realize you are watching a movie being shot that is doing a long single take. And I love that they're like, you're like, oh, I wonder which of these characters this movie is going to be about. Oh, none of them. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Thank Thank you. you. Good one. Single takes, everybody. Why not do it? Uh, Hey, um, I don't know much about Marvel, but I know that the Winter Soldier was a good guy turned bad guy turned back to good guy. Mm -hmm. You know it. So ignoring the first part of it, what supervillain or movie monster would you want to turn over to the good side and fight for the good guys? Ooh, that's tough. Somebody with some really good powers. <laughs> <laughs> Usually that's what makes the characters not so good no more. But uh, I'm a huge Venom fan. Not the movies necessarily, but the original character. And he's turned now, he's, he's gone from being a sociopath, like a psychopath who thinks he's a hero to the, in the comics, he's now the emperor of a time and space spanning alien race. Mm. And I'm like, mm, I kind of miss when, he, miss when he was just a guy who ate people's brains. <laughs> but uh, what do you mean, like, like, what kind of, like, like Detective Dracula, maybe, or something like that? Or? Yeah. I mean, this is what happens to any long-running horror franchise, right? It's just like, okay, well, now they're kind of de facto the hero. Even if they're, like, killing people, you don't care about any of those people. You go to see the, the monster. That's you know? true. Like Freddy becomes the, the hero in a way. Or yeah. I'm I, to, I mean Freddie Mercury. I'm going to say Lydia Tarr. I want Lydia Tarr <laughs> to be a good guy. Oh, she's got a lot to... <laughs> okay. <laughs> in a, in a, in a, in a, what, and what's the second movie where, where Lydia Tarr becomes a hero in some way? Tutor? Tutor, <laughs> yep. Uh, this, uh, but I think, uh, yeah, if, there, if it's got to be a monster, I think probably... Dracula, but if it doesn't have to be like a traditional monster, then 
Hmm. The Zodiac Killer. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's a hero. Finally, use, he those he pa- yeah, use those powers Turns out good. he was dextering the whole time. You didn't know it. <laughs> the yeah. whole time. You didn't yeah. know that's the twist. And he's great at making puzzles. <laughs> if I was there, I'm like, Zodiac Killer, come to my office, please. <laughs> You've got two strengths, murdering people and puzzles. I want you to steer into the puzzle side of your talents. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Look, D- Zodiac Killer. Will Shorts, the crossword puzzle editor at the New York Times, is retiring. <laughs> I think you can get that job, but you've got to stop killing people. I don't know if I want to leave the Bay Area. You'll do it remotely. It's fine. You can do that now. Uh, I don't think we're in any, in any danger, but I'm just going to say, don't, don't join the line. We'll cut it off. Anyway. It'd be amazing if I stabbed you right after you said, I don't think we're in any danger. And then, <laughs> I don't, but I'm not willing to go that you, far for a bit. You will alone? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, first off, uh, Stuart. Thank you for saying that thing about uh, it's a spark factory. I guess I've been saying the exact same thing since I saw the movie. It's, yeah. Um, you gotta make them somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, the question I've had since watching Cobra um, Does Stallone just wanna be a cop? Is that basically, or is that just every 80s movie guy or action guy? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a certain amount of like <laughs> wanting to be a first responder. <laughs> Like, I feel like there's a, I don't know, I feel like there's an urge to be, like, lumped in with the heroes. I mean, certainly to be a hero. Perceived heroes. To be in a position, I mean, to be in a position where to, force is authorized, you know. And I think it in, in for heroes in movies, at least, it's, it's like, well, if we put this guy in a uniform, then he can just go ahead and kill people. But if he's not wearing a uniform, then he's a, he's a maniac, you know. That's, or a maniac cop. Or, or that you can yeah. be in a uniform and still I be mean, a maniac cop, that's true, yeah. I don't know that it's... Uh, Specific to Stallone, I think that... I think he'd rather be a boxer than a cop. Mm. But I think he'd rather be a cop than a race car driver, like in that one Uh movie. I think he'd rather be a race car driver than like a... Like a, then like a mob boss with a, a daughter that's gonna Thank get... you, yes. But what he, if, what if, did he want to be a cliffhanger? Yeah, <laughs> he'd rather be a mob boss with a daughter than a guy who, than a cliffhanging, like, uh, you know, a mountain climbing guide, yeah. Anyway, my, my serious response was <laughs> <laughs> that I think that, you know, I think that just human beings have power fantasies and some people deal with them better than others and <laughs> realize which ones are poisonous. Some of them make a fucking movie about yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, first of all, Dan, I just have to say I was stunned by your revelation that the director of Cobra's son went on to make Mandy. Yeah, yeah. and also the, the director of Cobra, like, I mean, Stu said that rumor is that Kurt Russell directed a lot of Tombstone, but I, did, I yeah. had no idea that it was the same guy. Like, there's such different feeling movies. But, yeah, but. I was just thinking about Mandy throughout watching this because they're both red-lit films about a woman yeah. who is marked for death by a cult leader she saw on her way to work. Mm, That's right. wild. Mandy is a stealth remake of Cobra. That's right. <laughs> Oh, I mean, man. Mandy does that, feel like you're taking... why Nicolas Cage cuts that pizza with the pair of scissors. <laughs> it totally feels like you're like taking one of these like trash 80s movies and just like, let's just push it further and further yes. into like absurd hell world. Yes, and, and Mandy, it corrects the one big era, er, one big error, sorry, with Cobra. The big era of Cobra <laughs> was the 1980s. You're confusing yeah. the pun in our tour name. <laughs> That's true. Oh, because it, it, it has the Cheddar Goblin, right? That's... <laughs> <laughs> the whole time you're watching Cobra, you're like, where's the goblin that pours cheese on kids? <laughs> uh, that 
Mandy has that amazing chainsaw chainsaw fight. And the one thing that Cobra is missing is they're holding axes the whole movie. There is never an axe fight in the entire thing. Stallone never picks up an axe. And it's just, it, it, it's right, they're leaving money on the table. Yeah, there should know. have at least been a moment where they're like, go on, pick up the axe. And he's like, never. Yeah. That's not how I do things. You're one of us. Pick up or the axe. Or he picks up the axe and he's like even way better at clanging it and shit. And oh, the gang's like, the what? You'd be the best. Oh, the chosen one. And they kneel before him. Uh, my question, though. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, Cobra is unfortunately not streamable in Canada. I yeah. had to settle for renting it on YouTube. But I did spend multiple weekends over the last month searching for it on DVD in thrift stores, which I was not able to find. But it did make the act of thrifting way more fun to have <laughs> something to be after. Yeah. So my question to you gentlemen is, is there a white whale movie that you yourselves are looking to add to your physical media collections? Ooh. Oh, I thought you were going to ask me what I look for in thrift stores. The answer is always sweaters with cats on them. <laughs> that is a true answer. Often don't uh, sell them in my size, unfortunately. <laughs> Usually they're small people clothes. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I mean, honestly, not really at this point because it's much more, I, like if I want to see something uh, and it's not available, like that is the one time where I'm like, you know, as someone who makes their money sometimes off of people paying for art, that like if it's if it's not being made available, that is the one time I will be like, yeah, I'll just find it somehow. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll do whatever. To Dan, Dan, to possess it. Yeah, I've got to get. I've gotten past that. I think. I hope. I don't I've know. Got too much stuff. I mean, I would love to get a good quality copy of a lot of like John Woo's movies, which are just not available. I used to have a bunch of those on VHS tapes, and I, you know, when I did my, uh, we did a when I before I moved to Los Angeles, we did an Alamo show where I then gave away and signed all my VHS tapes, and <laughs> I wish I had kept a lot of those. I'm, it's not movies that I want, but I am a collect. I uh, a couple years ago got into the hobby of collecting really beat up bad condition 60s Marvel comics, like ones where they're all ripped up and people wrote their names on it. I missed an issue of Amazing Spider-Man that someone took a bite out of, and I'm really mad that I missed that auction. But, uh, but I've been trying to collect a run of really beat up all of Steve Ditko's issues of Amazing Spider-Man, and I've got really crappy copies of all but the first five, and I'm still looking for those. It was an issue, th th an issue two that someone took a bite out of, and I'm like, surely this won't go for a lot of money, and it surprisingly did. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe to whoever was trying to solve a crime and they figured yeah. there's still DNA on the... Yeah. Uh, the... Whoever owned this loved it so much that they wanted to be it. Uh, we, can fi we finally have, a, we have, an we, we have an example of the culprit's tooth marks here. Yeah. We can match them up to the wound, <laughs> but that's more what I'm into right now. It's kind of old, beat-up, ripped-up Marvel comics, so... Maybe someday. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Um, so this movie has a lot of, or Cobra has a lot of unmentioned Christmas decorations. Yeah. yeah. Which I read was because all of their shooting locations just had them up, so <laughs> well, lean into that. it. I love that. I love that. So I'd like to advance the front in the diehard theater of the <laughs> War on Christmas and ask, is this a Christmas movie? <laughs> It's as much a Christmas movie as any other action film set at Christmas. If you, in your heart, believe it to be one, then the magic of Christmas has made it so, and I feel like... I will say, Die Hard is slightly more Christmas because he does say ho, ho, ho at one point. Yeah. Whereas this movie, Cobra doesn't have time for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. like, Cobra doesn't have a family. Cobra, the only god he believes in is his own two fists and the guns that they're holding. Like, it is, but... It, but it is very funny to watch it. Again, we kind of had a similar reaction. We're like, is it? Is, 
is it Christmas? <laughs> Do they even know it's Christmas? <laughs> like, but it, it's a, it, but yeah, so I guess, yeah, it's a Christmas movie, right? Yeah, yeah obviously. Yeah. yeah, we did it. No question. We yeah. did it, everyone. Let's add it. Add it to the list. <laughs> it's, Let's add to the holiday rotation now. Yeah, yeah now it's got to play every year at the same time. <laughs> Hello. Uh, Hello. My, my name's Max, last hey. name withheld. Hey. I don't know if we're still doing that. Uh, gl- great to have you here. And uh, last minute, you talked about the theater experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the Rio counts as one of those old-timey theaters. Yeah. yeah. 20 years ago, I lived in the apartments right next door, and this used to be a Bollywood theater, and I never came in. Okay. So I'm wondering... What sort of large, gaping genre gaps do you have in your cinematic uh, viewing experience here? Well, Dan, certainly not pornography not for pornography. you. <laughs> <laughs> we know. I think you're covered on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a P. <laughs> <laughs> I am as God made me. Uh, I mean, Bollywood is a huge gaping hole. I mean, a lot of world yeah. cinema I have not seen and... It's it's hard to get a hold of sometimes. I mean, it's getting easier. Well, I think it's it's hard to know where to start. Often, yes, uh, and that like African cinema is similar for me. Like, there's every time I see a movie from an African nation, I'm like, yeah, I'm starting to see these, and I'm like, well, it's a whole continent. It's all different countries yeah. with different cinema heritages, and but uh, that's the thing. One of the things that I kind of like and find frustrating about film is that like the more you learn about it, the more you realize you don't learn about it. It's like paleontology that way, where like the more you learn about dinosaurs, the more you learn you will never know most of the things about dinosaurs. And so... Yeah, because you can't like get in a time machine and go back and look at a dinosaur and then accidentally step on a butterfly or something. I mean, you shouldn't. That'd be bad. I mean, that's pretty much what happened and that's why 2016 happened the way it did, I think. Yeah. But but I think that... uh, that's one of the fun things about film, but it's also frustrating that there's so there's always so much out there. But for me, it's very much African film. I mean, a big obvious one for me was uh, a few years ago. I realized that when I was growing up, I just avoided uh, romantic comedies because um, I was like, I want to watch horror movies. Uh, so I've been watching a lot of romantic comedies, and there's some really good ones. Uh, obvi- like I'd never seen Dirty Dancing for a long time that I've mentioned earlier, and I love it. It's the best. It's great. Uh, and yeah, so it, you should check out things you haven't seen. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, my biggest real gaps are, as you say, like, it's not so much genres as like I, a lack of knowledge of a lot of world cinema, which is just something that happens, unfortunately, I think. Um, and you have, really have to work against if you want to change it. How, uh, many t- how many times have you seen Cobra now? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <clears throat> there, but... But there are like a couple of genres that like I used to think I didn't like, like the western, which I I realize I do like, but I still have huge gaps in. Or, and then there's stuff that I there are outliers where I'm like that. Oh, oh, that's a great movie, but I don't really like war movies, so I don't seek them out, you know. But that's the best I got. Okay, so, thank you. Thank you. Final and question. Finally, a lot of pressure. That was a much more appropriate ending question. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Kings, I remembered. So Bridget Nielsen was married to Sylvester Stallone during this movie, but she had an important era uh, in the early 2000s of on a show called The Surreal Life. Yeah, sure. She brought her she, dogs uh, with her. Fell in love with Flavor Flav mm-hmm. um, before They're his. Flavor Flav and Sylvester Stallone are very similar. She's got a type. <laughs> well, this is my question. So before his Flavor of Love series, but I was just wondering if you had any key plot points that would need to change if Flavor Flav was Cobra. We <laughs> 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 yeah, have a lot more. Oh, time man. conscious cop, <laughs> yeah, some sort of time cop, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like I feel like he's also expressed his beliefs against the police many times. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Be less of a police officer. <laughs> I'm, ma- 
And if he was, uh, the, the, like, I, I imagine his role being, like, similar where he's, like, a hype man behind another guy who's kind of, uh, yeah. Like but his that. quips would be amazing. Amazing. They'd still be great. Amazing. Uh, I, look. Love, I love that idea now. Like, like, crime's the disease. And maybe rhyme's the disease. <laughs> How could you ask for a better ending? Um... Thank you so much for being here. I don't want to take up any more of your time. We don't want to take up any more of your time. We thank you for allowing us thank to you. be here. Thank you so much for coming. For the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. I've been Stuart Wellington. I'm Elliot Kalin. Thank Bye. you for being thank here. You. Thank you to the Rio Theater. Thank you. Thank you, Vancouver. If you think of any questions on the way home, forget them. They will not be answered. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows, supported directly by you.